Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Now, here's your host, Price Atkinson. Welcome into another edition of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy Football. And this is a special edition, folks, as it's our Army-Navy preview special Cannot wait to bring you this episode. Get ready for Saturday's game, America's Game, presented by USAA between the Army Black Knights and the Navy Midshipmen at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. Should be another instant classic is what I think is what all the fans in the country is going to be in store is this rivalry has the Saturday all to itself in Philadelphia at 3 o'clock on CBS. Cannot wait for this one, but I can't wait to give you this episode. we got a whole lot we're going to do this week, including our featured guest interview, John Feinstein, the Washington Post columnist, contributor to the Golf Channel, used to work on the Navy Radio Network, now is a contributor to the Army Radio Network. So we're going to talk with John Feinstein about this game, about some of his memories. As you remember, he is the author of the best-selling novel, A Civil War Inside America's Greatest Rivalry. If you have not read it, I highly encourage an American classic when it comes to sports in these two storied service academies. So John Feinstein's coming up. We'll certainly preview and break down this game. You'll hear from players uh, from both sides, coaches from both sides, and we'll also give you a star watch, my star watch, and the keys to the game. And the two players, I think, one from each side, who I think will be poised to make the biggest impact on this game. And these two players are no secret because they are their names are called regularly on Saturday afternoons uh, during the college football season. So we got a lot to do here, folks. We're going to also, as you know, we wrap up every episode of the podcast with the Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll, where we honor a service member who has given the ultimate sacrifice to our country. And we will do that at the end, which is how we end every episode of Yards in Stripes. So I'm your host, Price Atkinson. Strap yourselves in, get downloaded, get situated. It's time to get ready for Saturday's game between the Army Black Knights and the Navy Midshipmen. All right, before we look ahead to Saturday's game, the 120th installment of the Army-Navy game, I want to go ahead and get through some news and notes because we did have a lot happen since last week, and a lot that happened revolves around the postseason destination for two of our teams, and that would be Air Force and Navy. Let's start with the Air Force Falcons. They obviously 10-2, and two, a fantastic season for Coach Troy Calhoun's Falcons as they sit at number 24 in the latest AP poll. It was announced on Sunday that the Falcons will be headed to Phoenix, Arizona. They'll play in the Cheez-It Bowl, hosted at Chase Field, if you've ever known that and been to an Arizona Diamondbacks game, a place I'd love to go watch a game. It's on my bucket list for Major League Baseball. They've yet to be there, but the Falcons will take on the Washington State Cougars. December 27th matchup on Friday evening. That's going to be a 10-15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff. Again, Air Force and Washington State going to be the second Power 5 program that Air Force takes on this year. Obviously, you know that they defeated Colorado back during the first month of the season, but this challenge also going to be another stout one for Troy Calhoun's team 
is Mike Leach. The Pirate himself has the Cougars at 6-6. Six and six, But, boy, Anthony Gordon, that high-powered attack offensively, 45 touchdowns for the quarterback, 5,228 yards he has passed for during the 2019 season. But if you want to get tickets, tickets are on sale. Go AirForceFalcons.com or give the ticket office a call, 719-472-1895. Again, 719-472-1895. Go AirForceFalcons.com. Get your tickets for the Cheez-It Bowl between number 24 Air Force and Washington State. All right, the midshipmen are headed off to the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. That's going to be a New Year's Eve kickoff at 345 Eastern Standard Time. First time the mids are heading back to Beale Street in Memphis since 1981. And I shouldn't say it like that because what I mean is it'll be the first time they do appear in the Liberty Bowl. We know that Navy has played at Memphis and taken on the Tigers as a member of the American Athletic Conference, but this will be the first bowl spot they have landed in the Liberty Bowl since 1981. Again, a December 31st kickoff at 3.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time versus the Kansas State Wildcats out of the Big 12. K-State finishing 8-4 and four in the regular season. And an interesting tie, a friend of mine, Gene Taylor, who worked at the Naval Academy with, Gene Taylor is now the athletic director for Kansas State. Tickets are on sale at the Liberty Bowl. If you want to get tickets in the Navy allotment, give them a call at 1-800-US-4-NAVY. Again, 1-800-US-4-NAVY. Or check out NavySports.com to get your tickets for the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Right now in both bowl games, just to let you know, Navy installed, at least as we record this podcast on Wednesday, Navy is a two-point favorite over Kansas State, while Air Force is a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Washington State. A couple other news and notes here. The last college football playoff rankings obviously announced on Sunday as well. Navy checked in at number 23 in the final CFP rankings. Air Force did not come in ranked. We all know who the semifinalists were. Is Ohio State going to take on Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl? And then LSU is going to take on Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. Army-Navy this weekend, the pep rally hosted for both teams Friday at 12 noon. You can go online and check out more information about that. College game day uh, brought to you by ESPN and the Home Depot. That will start airing live at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning just outside Lincoln Financial Field there in Philadelphia. And also, Malcolm Perry named a semifinalist for the Lombardi Award presented to the college football player based on performance and leadership honed by character and resilience. So the awards pouring in for Malcolm Perry, the Navy senior quarterback for the midshipmen. Kickoff time, 3 p.m. on CBS Navy looking for that first Commander-in-Chief trophy in a couple seasons. This would be the 16th all-time win that they would have the the chance to win the Commander-in-Chief trophy uh, in this series. So a lot on the line is Army. Obviously, we've talked about this. Navy wins the Commander-in-Chief trophy with a victory. It would be the 16th time all-time in school history in the 11th in the last 17 years. If Army defeats Navy then Navy, Air Force, and Army, they will all share, technically share the CIC trophy as they would finish with a one-in-one record each other. But the trophy would then remain at West Point because of the tie and Army having won it the previous year. But an interesting note in this, in the previous 47 years, the Commander-in-Chief's trophy has been on the line only four times has there been a tie 
1974, which was retained by Navy, 1976 retained by Navy, 1980 retained by Navy, and 1993 retained by the Air Force Academy. So, again, a whole lot on the line is Gary Danielson, uh, uh, Brad Nessler, excuse me, brain fart there, and Jamie Erdahl will be on the sideline. Again, the kickoff for this game at Lincoln Financial Field will be just after 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in Philadelphia. Hut, hut, hike! All right, you've heard a lot from the Navy side of things over the last week, especially with Malcolm Perry as a guest uh, on last week's episode. Let's go ahead and hear a little bit from the Army side of things uh, about Saturday's matchup in the game. And let's start with a, just a couple quick comments from Jeff Munkin, the Army head coach, who, since he took over with the Black Knights, has seen nothing but close games in this rivalry. Obviously, as I've mentioned, uh, seven out of the last eight games have been decided by a touchdown or less, and those involve every single one that Jeff Munkin has been a part of. Here's what Coach Munkin had to say at the recent Army-Navy luncheon in Philadelphia. And it's a lot of fun to battle, and it's been incredible to me to, to be here at Army over the last five years, and regardless of, of how the seasons have gone for either team. It's been a one-score game, seven points, four points, one point, four points, seven points. It's it's amazing that uh, the two teams just set everything aside, pour everything into this game, and uh, and it's because of the players and, and the young men that they are and the competitiveness and the, the toughness that they have within them. Um, congratulations to, to the Navy team, a great, great season. So that was Coach Jeff Munkin right there uh, talking about the rivalry and especially uh, about the Navy midshipmen. But Kelvin Hopkins Jr., the quarterback uh, for the Black Knights, has obviously been banged up a lot this season. Pretty sure that he will play. Would be shocked if he didn't. Haven't heard or seen any recent comments saying uh, from Coach Munkin that he won't play. Uh, But you got to expect that the best signal caller uh, for the Army Black Knights, a guy who has spent the last couple weeks trying to get healthy in Kelvin Hopkins Jr. would be available for this game. Here's what Kelvin Hopkins Jr. had to say in preparation for his final Army-Navy game, including what some of the other seniors and underclassmen are saying uh, to those seniors getting ready for their final installment of this rivalry. A lot of guys want to come up to the seniors and, and, and talk about how do we're trying to do it for you guys. We're trying to do it for you guys. We want to get this last one for y'all. Uh, really, for me, the message is do it for yourselves. You know, like uh, it's a big deal to, to continue your own streak. Like, yeah, we want to go four and zero, but it's just as important for you guys to go two and zero. It's just as important for you guys to go one and zero and get that first win in, on on Navy. So, you know, just to to tell them that to be encouraged and go out there and play. You know, for everybody, don't just go do it for the seniors or for individuals. Let's do it for each other, no matter what grade you're in, no matter what your record is against Navy right now. So that was Kelvin Hopkins Jr. Uh, as far as what the underclassmen have been saying, you know, wanting to win this one for the seniors in their last one is obviously Army now not bowl eligible coming up short to Hawaii in the previous week. So they cannot get bowl eligible. So the midshipmen will obviously have another game, but Army will not. But speaking of Navy, here's a couple quick comments from Ken Niamatololo, the Navy head coach about how he's maybe helped prepare some assistant coaches, some new faces on the Navy coaching staff, what others on the staff have told them to expect about the Army-Navy rivalry on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, we talk as a staff about, you know, a lot of different things, scenarios, the game itself. You know, obviously playing an Air Force game, you know, there's obviously another huge game. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, we got our, our rivals 
And so you just try to draw on experiences that you've had, you know, just try to talk to them about certain things. But, yeah, all of that's part of the preparation. So that's just a little bit from both sides, uh, Army and Navy. Kelvin Hopkins, Jr., Jeff Munkin, the head coach for Army, and then obviously Ken Niamatololo uh, on Saturday. So when we come back, we got more to do, especially our guest interview. We're going to have a lot more comments, and those comments are going to come from John Feinstein, the Washington Post columnist, contributor to the Army Radio Network, somebody that has seen and covered this rivalry for years. What makes it special? What does he think about the matchup Saturday? Where does Malcolm Perry, some of the things he's done in this rivalry in the past rank, and a lot more coming up next right here. John Feinstein joins us on Yards and Stripes on the Army-Navy Preview Special. It's everything you need to know about Service Academy football. Yards and Stripes continues. Here again is Price Atkinson. All right, welcome back into Yards and Stripes, getting ready for this weekend. Your home for Service Academy football right here, and your home, literary speaking, the author of Civil War Inside, the greatest rivalry in, in college sports, in any sports, John Feinstein, the best-selling author himself, uh, Civil War. If you haven't read it, you need to go get it. It's an absolute liter- literary sports classic, John. And, you know, I know this is something you're asked about all the time, and a game and rivalry. I, I, don't, I hate to even call it a rivalry. I mean, it is. But I, why does everyone just stop and stand for this one-of-a-kind event every year? Well, I think, Bryce, you said it correctly because it is one-of-a-kind. You, you can talk about any other rivalry uh, in, in, in sports, college, professional, high school, whatever you want. There is nothing like Army-Navy. Uh, it's not just that uh, they've been playing since 1890. It's the uniqueness of of who plays in the game. The fact that all the young men who play for Army and Navy and Air Force uh, are going to go into the armed services when they graduate. It's not like a civilian school where the best players uh, expect to be in the NFL. Every once in a while, there's an exception. Uh, you can go back to Roger Staubach. You can go all the way uh, all the way back to, to um, uh, Glenn Davis in the 1940s after World War II. But those are basically once-in-a-decade players who may get it. Keenan Reynolds has had a shot in the last couple of years, and Napoleon McCallum played for a while before he was injured. Um, and, you know, there are occasional guys who, who make it to the NFL. But uh, if there are 200 players in uniform this coming Saturday, chances are 199 of them are never going to play after college, and they're going to be off um, defending our country in some way, shape, or form. Uh, some, some will be deployed uh, occasionally. Sadly, uh, some will die. Um, one of the kids I wrote about, Kevin Norman, in uh, in uh, Civil War, who played at Army, he was a punter, uh, was killed overseas in a plane crash, uh, and, it, and and it does happen. Um, so I think when you when you see the players stand together at the end of the game for the alma maters, which you don't see in any other rivalry, let's let's be honest, except, you know, again, when Air Force is involved. Yeah. Um, when you see that sight, uh, you understand all over again that there is there is nothing like Army-Navy. I, you know, since I stopped doing the Navy games on radio, which is now eight years ago, mm-hmm. uh, I'm always on the field at the end of the game. And as I stand there and as they play the alma maters, my wife, Christine, always sends me a text and it says, are you crying yet? Yeah. And the answer is inevitably yes. 
And that segue into my next question, because you've told me that before. And, you know, is a personally, I know this is, is a game that you that affects you in that way, like you just articulated. But, you know, professionally as a sports writer, is this one of those games, events, you know, happenings each and every calendar year that you look forward to because of the theater that's going to develop on the field that you're ultimately going to get to put into words and into deliver into homes and, you know, iPads and websites everywhere? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, people ask me all the time, if you could only cover one event each year, what would it be? And and I've been fortunate enough, as you know, to cover just about every major event there is in sports. Mm-hmm. And uh, most people expect to hear me say the Final Four or the Masters or Wimbledon or the Olympics in an Olympic year. And the answer is always Army-Navy because it is unique the entire day. Yep. is unique. You start with the march-ons. You start with the tailgates outside the stadium. Uh, you start, you, you then get into the playing, the delivery of, of the game balls. So you, you get into the national anthem. Now, we hear the national anthem before hundreds of games every year. Um, but when they play the national anthem at Army-Navy and you look one direction and you see 4,000 cadet hands snap to salute, and you look the other way, you see 4,000 uh, midshipmen hands snap to salute position, it's different. It's just different. And, and because I have been reminded by friends of mine who have played in the game for years that all 8,000 of those young men and women have volunteered to die for our country if necessary. Um, and and you, you don't have to be a hero to die for your country. When, when Kevin Norman died, Jim Cantaloupe, who'd been his roommate at Army, called to give me the news. And when I said that Kevin was a hero because he had died for his country. Jim said to me, no, John, he was a hero because he was willing to die for his country. And I know that sounds corny and and a lot of people will roll their eyes at it, but it's, it's a hundred percent true. And it, what makes, it's what makes the entire day different. And then of course, when the intensity of the game, uh, regardless of who wins. um, And even during that, that period when Navy had the 14 game, winning streak. It wasn't because Army wasn't playing hard. It was just because Army wasn't good. And now, you know, the the last three years, Army's won the game. Navy's had a great turnaround this year. Army's had a struggling season. Uh, They've had a lot of injuries. They've not played well at times. But I would expect the game to be played with all the intensity we we come to expect of it every year. All right, continue with John Feinstein, best-selling author, contributor to the Golf Channel, the Washington Post, Army Radio Network. Follow him on Twitter at jfeinstein books. And John, one of the columns you wrote immediately after that Navy Air Force thriller was the column in the post. Why is Service Academy football so special? And, you know, this season that's unfolded for all three programs has really been, in a lot of ways, a a storybook season because you look at the Army, the expectations that clearly were there and and were not met for whatever reason. We'll get to that in a minute. But Air Force and Troy Calhoun, when he, you know, might have been shown the door with a new athletic director, had struggled for a couple seasons they've got it turned around 10 wins and of course obviously what Kenny Matalolo's done at three and ten a year ago and now another storybook turnaround for them this has really been an interesting kind of storybook telling season for all three academies well if you had told me at the end of that Air Force Navy game uh that Air Force wasn't going to lose again I would have thought you were nuts because it was a great game and clearly Air Force had a good team and I and I thought they had 
the potential if they could bounce back from the disappointment of that loss because that was a hugely disappointing defeat. They had the lead uh, late in the game. They had a fourth down. Uh, Navy faced a fourth down on the Air Force 15. Uh, in the final seconds, picked it up by a foot. Malcolm Perry, of course, was the guy who picked it up and then went on um, to, to score the touch, what was the winning touchdown in the final seconds. Um, but if you told me they were going to win seven in a row, I, I just said, what are you, crazy? They play in a tough league. They've got a lot of tough games ahead of them, but they won seven in a row. And, again, go back to last year's game when, Ar- when uh, Army beat Navy for the third straight year and Army was 3-10. and 10 unheard of in the Ken Niamatololo era. Uh, I was wondering how does, how does maybe bounce back and mm-hmm. Ken did some tough things, made some changes on his coaching staff, which I know were difficult for him because he's, he's such a loyal person. Uh, they committed to Malcolm Perry at, at the quarterback position, made those defensive changes and you know, they, they've lost two games uh, just like, uh, and, and who are their two losses to Memphis, which is 12 and one yep. on the road and Notre Dame, which is 10 and two. Yep. And they've beaten everybody else they faced. And I can tell you, you know, from being around the Navy program and knowing Ken the way I do, they will not feel their journey is complete unless they win Saturday. If they lose Saturday and they're nine and three and they're going to a bowl game, it's still a turnaround season in the eyes of most, but it won't, the job will not have been finished in the eyes of, of the Navy coaches and players. All right, about I know you're about, probably asked all the time what's happened to Army. Uh, injuries have clearly, you know, hurt them this season. But you know, the loss of Jay Bateman, how big, how small was that? Were, were expectations just too much for for the team to handle? It's a little bit of everything, Price. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that that uh, you know they lost a, a, a great player. Uh, in Bryce Holland, their, their starting center last yeah. year. Not a good player, great. a great player. And it, it's it's hard often for us to single out an offensive lineman, especially a center, and say this guy is, is one of the key players on a team and one of the key leaders. Bryce Holland was all of that. I mean, every bit of that. He was. He reminded me a little bit of some of the guys who I called the fat men when I wrote um, a civil war back in 95. He, he not only was an excellent player, but he had a love for the game and the competition and the academy and his teammates. And they all followed him. They all followed him. Yep. Uh, and you, you lose a, play, a guy like that, not just a player like that. That's going to have an effect. Now, players graduate all the time. Sure. That's part of college football. Yep. Uh, but Bryce Holland was a particularly um, difficult loss to absorb. Um, they, they also lost both their fullbacks who were outstanding players. Uh, and and they thought that the key to their to, to continuing to be good on offense was going to be its quarterback position. Um, but Calvin Hopkins Jr. had a tremendous junior year, a thousand yards passing, a thousand yards rushing. But he's been banged up most of the year. And and Tabari Law, Tabari, Jabari Laws came in and played very well, and then he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And even last week against Hawaii, uh, when Christensen came in. Uh, and he moved the ball. Well, then he got hurt. They played four different guys at quarterback uh, at moments that mattered, not just in 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 uh, um, you know garbage time. And I think that's hurt them. And I think that uh, the change of coordinators. I'm a big John Luce fan, um, but John has been working again because of injuries. They lost two great linebackers on the defensive side of the football uh, to graduation. It's just been a rough season, and and you know they 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 could have would have should have won that Michigan game. I think the season might have 
played out a lot differently had they won that Michigan game. And they, they were one penalty away, one play away uh, from winning that game, but they didn't win it. That's a simple fact. They didn't win it. Um, they missed a field goal at the buzzer that would have won the game. They didn't miss it by much. But, again, we're not playing horseshoes here. We're playing football. Yeah. So it's been one of those almost years for Army. And now the only way they could salvage it is by beating Navy for a fourth straight year and retaining the commander in chief. If they lose this game, the season is going to be viewed as a complete washout for them. By them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. You know, you've seen a lot of incredible performances in the rivalry. You've seen a lot of incredible players that have come and gone. I mean, Keenan Reynolds was one uh, that you mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago. But, you know, Malcolm Perry, the starting quarterback for the midshipmen, I mean, he delivered an all-timer back, what, his sophomore season 2017. I mean, literally putting the midshipman on his proverbial back, 30 carries, 250 yards. When you look at some of the other greats that have played, not just at Navy, but at Army, you know, how, where do you see Malcolm fitting in? Well, you know what? A lot will depend on, on the outcome Saturday, mm-hmm. to, to be honest. I mean, he was great. You're right, Price, in that, in that game against Army two years ago, but Army won the game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it wasn't Malcolm's fault that they took those two bad penalties that moved the field goal back 10 yards and it was just barely missed. If they're, they don't, two seniors committed penalties yep. on that drive. If they don't commit them, they probably make the field goal and win. And then that's viewed as one of the all time great performances that led to a win. Yep. Um, if, if, regardless of what Malcolm Perry's stats are on Saturday, if Army wins the game, People are going to go. Malcolm Perry's going to go away from his career, saying it doesn't matter what my numbers were. I was 0 and 4 against Army, right? Uh, and that's true of this entire senior class at Navy. Uh, but if they win the game, if they win the game, Malcolm Perry's going to play very well. Yeah, he's going to have to for them to win. Yep. And if they win the game and he goes out on a win and getting the Commander in Chief's trophy back, then he goes down with some of those other great names. Now, Keenan Reynolds was four for four. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you can't change that, but people sometimes forget Roger Staubach lost his last Ar- army Navy game mm-hmm. and is still obviously considered the greatest player in Navy history. So it's not all about winning, but it's certainly to some degree about winning. All right, John, I know we got to let you go, but one last one for you, you know, the teams clearly know each other so well, the coaching staffs are, are good friends, especially, I mean, Kenny and, and, and Jeff Monk. And, you know, it, you always talk, you hear motivation, motivation, and that's always going to be a factor because somebody has to lose the year before. But is momentum maybe a bigger key going into this game with obviously the success Navy's had this year? And you look at, you know, what Army did the past couple of years. And, you know, is this, is this really, does it ultimately a game of inches when teams know each other so stinking well what they're going to do, what their strengths, what their weaknesses are? Is it really just come down to, like you mentioned, 2017, a couple penalties at the very end of the game that probably in all likelihood changes the trajectory of that one? Bob Sutton, who was six and three coaching uh, as the head coach in the Army Army Navy game, uh-huh. used to say that the most desperate team wins the Army Navy game. Yep. And so the question is, who is more desperate on Saturday? Is it Army, which is trying to salvage what has been a lost season until now, and can salvage it by retaining the CIC and by winning a four straight and by having their seniors go out four and zero against Navy, or is it Navy, which for all their success won't really consider the season to have been what they want it to be yep. unless they break that three-game losing streak, unless the seniors do go out with, with a win against Army, and unless they get to CIC back for the first time since 2015. That'll be the question. Which team is more desperate? John, what's the uh, literary work? What, what you got working on? What's coming up next in the annals of John Feinstein and your uh, literary novels? Well, I, I, 
I have a, a book that just came out recently that's for kids. Yep. Good book for Christmas uh, called Bench Warmers. Yep. Which is about an 11 year old girl who wants to play on a boys soccer team because there's no girls soccer team at the school and she's being prevented from joining the team because there's a misogynist coach and it's, that that's what the book is about her battle to get on the field and show that she's worthy of being on the field. Uh, it's called bench warmers, as I said. Yep. Um, and my book quarterback, uh, which is about playing quarterback in the NFL cleverly enough, uh, is now out in paperback. Yep. And in March, I have a book coming out called the back roads to March, which is about players and coaches and teams uh, who aren't on television every night in college basketball, who you probably don't know their stories, but who I think, at least for me, have fascinating stories to tell. And we both love college basketball. That's another thing we have in common. John, look, always always appreciate the time. Good luck uh, in Philly uh, this weekend. Can't wait to see what it delivers and what you deliver uh, on Sunday morning or maybe late Saturday night, I should say. Thanks so much, John. Well, if the column's not any good, Price, it won't be the fault of the game. I promise you that. I understand. Understand, John. That's John Feinstein, the best-selling author. Again, follow him on Twitter at jfeinsteinbooks. We got more to do right here on Yards and Stripes, getting you ready for Army Navy this weekend. We'll continue doing that when we come back right here on Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. So many games to muddle through. Who's looking for an angle? Who's looking for an upset? We're looking for it every week as part of Three Dog Thursday. Hi, I'm TJ Reeves. Join me for the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to picking those underdogs. My co-host Kevin Rogers is a senior handicapper from VegasInsider.com, and we do a great job of analyzing and predicting at least three underdogs to look for every week in college football and in the pros. Plus, when the college basketball season rolls around, we got to keep picking underdogs all the way through the Final Four. It's Three Dog Thursday. Subscribe to our podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. And when picking those underdogs in the football and college basketball season, remember our podcast, Three Dog Thursday. The latest with Navy, Army, and Air Force on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Here again is Price Atkinson. All right, as we continue on this Army-Navy preview special, getting ready for the 120th meeting between these two teams, number 21 Navy and the Army Black Knights. Let's look at our star watch, and I want to kind of identify a couple stars who I think need to be big-time stars on Saturday. And these are going to be a couple household names with fans from both of these programs. Uh, Let's start with the Army Black Knights. And Elijah Riley, the defensive back, who will be playing in his final college football game uh, on Saturday out of Port Jefferson, New York. He's been a little bit quiet the last few games. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, we talk about Riley and we talk about some of the statistics as he leads uh, the Black Knights uh, with, three, with three interceptions and seven pass breakups. Uh, but he leads the team in tackles for a loss this season with eight and also sacks with four. He's also forced three fumbles and recovered one. But second on the team in tackles was 74. He's been a little bit quiet. And I mean quiet uh, the last couple weeks. I mean, he's had a pair of interceptions in back-to-back games against Air Force and UMass. Uh, But in terms of tackles for a loss, he hasn't had a sack since going back to the game uh, against Western Kentucky that Army lost 17-8 on October the 12th. I think they need a massive game uh, from Elijah Riley, that playmaking ability, maybe the best playmaker defensively on the field. You can make an argument, Diego Fago, who is a guy who was named uh, all-conference by the American Athletic Conference, he is a guy certainly that makes plays all over the field. 
But I think Elijah Riley is a guy that needs to lead this Army defense on Saturday against the attack of the midshipmen, one that isn't just running the football these past couple this season. As we all know, uh, Malcolm Perry, the senior quarterback for the midshipmen, has been able to throw the football this year as he's thrown for 1,027 yards in six touchdowns. So he can do it through land or on land and uh, by air and on on land and through the air, excuse me. Uh, but is, is Army is going to ready for this game? I think that the Army defense is one that's going to have to play big is Malcolm Perry, the most electric player on the field, which leads us to our star watch for the midshipmen. Malcolm Perry, the senior quarterback, obviously the best player on the field, doesn't matter what position, has helped lead Navy to a 9-2 and rec- nine and two record this season as he was named the Offensive Player of the Year by the American Athletic Conference rushing for 19 touchdowns and 1,500 yards, six best in the country in terms of players and total rushing yards, first among quarterbacks. But Malcolm Perry, the reason why I think he's the key to this game is going to be taking care of the football because Navy cannot turn over the football. Neither team can. When possessions are going to be limited by both teams, you've got to protect the rock. And in a game where teams know each other so very well, as we talked to John Feinstein about it just a few minutes ago, it's a game where taking care of the football and the little tiny mistakes are magnified in a game like this. But Malcolm Perry, who can do it running and throwing, has had a sensational season. One, a, a Really a guy who I thought should be up for the Heisman Trophy uh, with what he's done. Malcolm Perry, who has uh, rushed the second most total yards uh, in Navy school history. Um, he would become uh, Navy's all-time single-season rushing leader. Um, excuse me. He's just 87 yards behind Napoleon McCallum for first on Navy's all-time single-season rushing list. So 87 yards or eight would put him now as the most in single school in single in school history in terms of a single season. So Army Navy Again, I think Malcolm Perry and certainly Elijah Riley. A couple seniors and two guys that know all about making plays. I think those are the two keys to the game. And it's obvious, but Malcolm Perry and Elijah Riley on Saturday. As we continue on our Army-Navy preview special, getting you ready for Saturday's game, you know that the Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll segment is where we honor and remember a fallen hero, one who has given the ultimate sacrifice. And, you know, for those listening for the first time, you can check out TravisManion.org, one of our loyal partners for this entire season uh, of Yards and Stripes. And certainly thank you to everybody there, uh, not just for supporting us and the partnership that we have grown uh, this season. You can go to TravisManion.org and you can learn how donations can be made dollar for dollar up to $1 million uh, to support families of fallen heroes. And join the mission today in the words that Travis Mannion himself spoke, if not me, then who? And it's the Travis Mannion Foundation working in local communities across the country uh, to carry on that commitment of legacy, service, and character to develop character in future generations of Americans. And this week, we're going to honor a member, a member uh, of the United States Navy, uh, Andrew Charpentier uh, from the United States Navy. He was electronics techs tactician. Andrew Scott Charpentier uh, was 21 years old, a native of Great Falls, Montana. 
uh, when he lost his life on April the 17th, 19, or excuse me, July the 23rd, 2009, as he was born on April the 17th, 1988, as he made his home in Great Falls, Montana, after moving to Montana, Montana at an early age with his parents, Scott and Tammy, uh, from Oklahoma City, and it was a brief illness in which uh, took the life uh, of Andrew Charpentier. And, you know, he was described as just somebody that absolutely loved life, his top character strength, kindness, humor, and bravery. And he was somebody that uh, is an aircraft electronics tactician. He was offered the chance to go to Guantanamo Bay. It was not a place where he could use his education, but a high-risk opportunity. But he chose that challenge because he knew he'd be helping keep and watch over those detained who might want to harm his family in the United States. So rather than choosing what might have been safer, he chose to go where he could keep his family safe. And during one Christmas, while stationed in Pensacola, Florida, he took an entire paycheck and purchased gifts for needy children because it was something he felt so positive about uh, and always wanted to give his siblings nice gifts, ones he could afford. Uh, He was caring, considerate, and he helped people whenever he got the chance. And unfortunately, his life was just taken uh, by an illness at a too young of an age at just age 21. And he has survived, uh, again, by his parents, Scott and Tammy, uh, but also uh, his wife, uh, Kathleen, who he married the love of his life uh, before his passing, and Andrew, who had just a straight, strong faith in God, a loving, generous, kind individual who touched so many people. And one person that he touched was was his sister, Tori Sharpentier. And here are her words uh, of getting involved with the Travis Manion Foundation and becoming involved uh, in service projects with TMF and how those things helped her help others. My brother, he lived life to the fullest, and I want to do that too, so I want to try everything that I can. And I think he would be proud of me for coming and doing something for other people. He probably would have done the same thing if he could have. Service is something that I want to do more of when I go home. This trip has really helped me in like an emotional way. It's kind of you know inspired me, like I need to do more for other people that need more than I do. And that was his sister, Tori, as she remembered her brother, but what the Travis Manion Foundation has done to help her in her journey uh, to heal, and not just healing, but to get involved in, in putting her arm in those others' arms who have been in a situation exactly like hers, losing a, a service member, a, a close friend, uh, to help continue their life legacy of character and commitment of service. And so we take the time to remember Andrew Scott Sharpentier, uh, again, 21 years old, uh, from Great Falls, Montana, when he lost his life. And so we remember Andrew Scott Sharpentier of the United States Navy. We say thank you to his family, to all his friends, for just an amazing young man, one that gone far too soon. Uh, but we say thank you to those because freedom is not free. And as we all know, we will be reminded of that once again on Saturday with the Army-Navy football game. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment, If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Mannion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of. Because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org.
All right, that's a wrap on our Army-Navy preview special as we hopefully have gotten you ready enough for the 128th Army-Navy game on Saturday, America's Game, presented by USAA at Lincoln Financial Field. Oh, boy, what an afternoon it is going to be. As I mentioned earlier, seven out of the last eight games between Army and Navy decided by a touchdown or less. I expect that to be exactly what happens on Saturday. I think this thing comes down to the final possession. And with my prediction, I guess you got to go on a limb at some point. I think Navy kicks a field goal with less than 30 seconds to win the football game uh, over Army, snapping that three-game losing streak. But like I said, I do think this comes down to the final minute. And I think this comes down to a kick that this game is decided on with Navy ending Army's winning streak. But I think it's going to be a fantastic game and even better theater as we honor our nation's military, including just those kids that are going to play their guts out on Saturday on that field, especially those seniors for the final time in the installment of the greatest rivalry in sports. All right, I want to thank our guest this week, John Feinstein. I want to thank uh, TJ Reeves from Three Dog Thursday for having me on on his show. As you heard a promo a little bit earlier here uh, on our Army-Navy preview special, go check out Three Dog Thursday every single week. I really appreciate him having me on uh, to promote Yards and Stripes and obviously Saturday's game between Army and Navy. I can't wait. I know you can't either. We'll do this again next week as we'll have a whole lot to talk about. His Army, or excuse me, Navy and Air Force, obviously, will be then turning the page to bowl preparation. So we will talk about it again next week. But for myself, Price Atkinson, thank you to all our listeners. Again, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh, you can visit redcircle.com and certainly follow us on Yards and Stripes on Facebook and Twitter. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. And can't wait to do this again next week right here on Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy Football. To get more on all things Service Academy football, like Yards and Stripes on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at Yards and Stripes. And as always, you can subscribe to Yards and Stripes on iTunes and Stitcher. Join us again next time for Yards and Stripes Service Academy football.